Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're locked in to the FCS Fever podcast, where we turn up the heat on FCS football, available wherever you get your podcasts. The FCS Fever podcast is presented by Betfred Sports and part of the Aaron Torres media feed. I'm Chris Sylvester. This is our FCS playoffs preview show. First weekend of the playoffs about to get underway. Top eight seeds have a bye but for the rest, it's win or go home. Before we get started, we'd again like to remind you the FCS Fever podcast is presented by Betfred Sports. When you play the Betfred Sportsbook, no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. The more you bet, the bigger the bonus. Here's the good news. They'll be putting out lines for FCS games all season long and throughout the postseason. They've been great on FCS football. They've given us early lines earlier in the season, had that Dakota marker matchup, an exclusive early line. They're committed to being the best book anywhere for fans of FCS football. Betfred, one of Europe's biggest sports books, certainly busy this time of year with the World Cup. Started back in 1967. Fred Dunn got it going way back then. Now in the U.S., they've hit the market in a big way. Official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and now the Cincinnati Bengals, currently licensed in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Louisiana, Washington, and soon Ohio. Sign up today. Place a $50 bet this weekend on some FCS playoff action or whatever you want. And Betfred will give you a bonus $250 for betting. Take advantage of this great deal while it's available to you. Again, our friends at Betfred Sports. All right, and so the dust has kind of settled a little bit from who you might feel like got snubbed out of the playoffs. A lot of anger around the FCS surrounding the fact that Montana even got in with uh, arguably zero quality wins. They had good losses, but since when do you really weigh good losses? I mean, how do you reward a team for losing games? It kind of feels like that's what Montana was rewarded for, right? I mean, they took Sacramento State with their backup quarterback to overtime. Unless the committee's kind of looking at that as well, we felt like Montana would have won this game if Lucas Johnson was healthy against Sacramento State. I, I don't really understand how they got into the postseason, but not only did they get into the postseason, but they get a home game, and they get a primetime matchup on national TV, 7:15 Pacific, 10:15 Eastern, ESPN2, Southeast Missouri State. And the winners of the coin flip over UT Martin 
champions of the Ohio Valley Conference. And look, the OVC doesn't even come within sniffing distance of the Big Sky or the Colonial or the Missouri Valley. But for a conference champ to have to go on the road against a 7-4 and bubble team that barely snuck into the playoffs with a very sketchy resume, you just kind of wonder how much the committee even really weighs the wins and losses at this point. I, I think there was a good argument for a team like UC Davis, despite a 6-5 and five record to get in. Rhode Island, I thought, was deserving of the playoffs. Austin P deserving of the playoffs. Uh, Austin P. you talk about, you know, maybe being tit-for-tat with Montana for, for a final playoff spot. Montana loses to Montana State by 33 points in the final week of the season. Austin P loses by 34 against Alabama. And nothing against Montana State, but Montana State is not Alabama. And I know the committee doesn't really look at the FBS-FCS games. It's not something they really count towards the record. And, and maybe Austin P uh, is regretting scheduling two FBS games that could have been FCS wins. And you add two more wins onto that already pretty good record for the Governors. And maybe we're talking about them in the postseason instead of Montana right now. But I think that's the matchup that has everybody kind of up in arms this weekend. Southeast Missouri State on the road against Montana. I'll say this about Montana. Uh, they, they didn't really play anybody down the stretch other than the Brawl of the Wild game where they weren't all that competitive against Montana State, but but they beat the snot out of the teams that they should have down the stretch. And, and you could tell that they were taking out some of that frustration on missed opportunities, whether it was the Sac State game or the Weber State game or losing to Idaho at home. But Montana gets a home game. They get the national television audience. Look, brand matters. We talked a lot about that a few weeks ago when we were looking at the hypotheticals of, well, if Montana takes care of business against Eastern and Cal Poly in November, but they lose the brawl of the wild game and and they're at least competitive in that, maybe they get a postseason berth. But Montana wasn't competitive in that game yet. They still get a home postseason game. Now they're going to have to go to Fargo if they can get by Southeast Missouri State in this first-round game at home. And it's hard not to like Montana's chances at home, right? I mean, obviously they they lost the game by a touchdown against Idaho. That was their first loss of the season, and that kind of had a snowball effect because they had two really tough road games the following weeks at Sacramento State and Weber State. You didn't play those games with Lucas Johnson. You were competitive in both of them. Certainly the committee had to weigh that, one would think. But Montana comes in limping a little bit, licking their wounds fresh off the big matchup at Montana State, a 55-21 loss. Uncharacteristic to see that Bobby Houck-led defense uh, give up 55 points. Montana State has proven time and time again that they can put up video game-like numbers on the offensive end between Tommy Mallott and Sean Chambers. And remember, Montana State's doing all of this without perhaps the best running back when healthy in the big sky, a dude by the name of Isaiah Fonse. And it'll be interesting to see what the approach is from Montana State moving forward, whether or not they're going to risk throwing Isaiah Fonse, who hasn't played all year, into the mix. Or or maybe they feel confident enough with the guys and the stable of guys that they have to lead their rushing attack. That's probably something we're going to break down a little bit more next week. But I'm curious to see what Montana team shows up because I think Montana has arguably the best environment for FCS football at Washington Grizzly Stadium uh, that we have in the country. But you have this Southeast Missouri team and look, I mean, they're battle-tested. They, they went on the road to Iowa State. They hung around for about a half in week one before that game got out of hand. They go to Southern Illinois. They went on the road in week two. 
Uh, they beat Northwestern State by a big margin on the road. They lost at home to Eastern Kentucky, a playoff Eastern Kentucky team, but then they blitzed their opponents down the stretch, 42 nothing at Tennessee State, 31-7 at Eastern Illinois, and 52-22 over Murray State. Uh, look, it would have been unfortunate if UT Martin won the coin flip to win the OVC because it was clear that Southeast Missouri State was the best team in this conference. And I think the OVC has to kind of relook at their scheduling model because I don't know why UT Martin and Southeast Missouri State didn't play each other during the regular season. But when I look at this resume put together by SEMO, I think the Southern Illinois win is more impressive than any win that Montana was able to piece together during the regular season. Uh, look, the Eastern Kentucky loss, albeit at home, isn't bad. They only had one FCS loss all year. I mean, they went 9-1 and one against FCS competition. Nowhere near as tough of a schedule as Montana had. But, but it, it's, hard, it's hard to see Southeast Missouri State coming out of Missoula with the victory, with that type of weather this time of year. I'm not saying it's not cold in the mid Midwest where Southeast Missouri State has been practicing and playing games down the stretch of the season. But I'm interested to see how Montana's defense responds. I think a Lucas Johnson-led offense, if he can stay healthy with that running attack, it could be enough to put points on the board. But I'm curious to see if they can hold down Southeast Missouri State after giving up 55 points against Montana State. This is a Southeast Missouri State team that ran for 364 yards in their regular season finale, 52-22 win over a bad Murray State team. I don't know if it's a good estimate to see whether or not Murray State's defense is going to hold up the same way Montana's defense might hold up at home in a playoff game, but they got to find an answer for Geno Hess of Southeast Missouri State. Dude ran for over 300 yards on his own against Murray State in the final game of the season. 26 carries, averaged more than 12 yards per carry, four touchdowns. It'll be interesting to see, can they have that same type of success? Because, look, Montana State's offensive line bullied Montana's front seven pretty much wire to wire in Bozeman after Kirk Herbstreet and the college game day crew got off the set. I mean, that was just a clinic put on by Montana State. And I don't think Southeast Missouri State is in that same realm on offense that what we see from the Bobcats. But look, this is one of the better rushing attacks that you might not know about in the FCS. And when you look at what Geno Hess has been able to put together this year, he's run for almost eight yards a carry, over 1,500 yards, 19 touchdowns. Look, I like this matchup for Southeast Missouri State. I do worry about weather maybe favoring Montana a little bit. We'll see if some snow starts to flurry as it has a little bit down the stretch in Missoula. This is the matchup that I think everybody's talking about because a lot of people don't feel like Montana deserves to be here. I'll say this about the Grizzlies. If the Grizzlies can get by Southeast Missouri State in the first round, I think they're going to give North Dakota State fits the following week. Now, the Bison do an excellent job at running the football, but if there's a Bison offense that we've seen in the last decade that you're not really scared of in the postseason, it's this one. I'm just curious as to see how's Montana's defense going to respond? Because this has kind of been the backbone of their team all season long. You know, despite the loss at Sac State, despite the loss at Weber State, the home loss against Idaho, the defense has never really been all that big of an issue for the Grizz like they were against Montana State. Now, Montana State may have just kind of come into their own as an offense. They did put up 72 the game before playing Montana in that final regular season weekend. But 
Will Montana's defense kind of mirror that, what we saw last week, or will they kind of be the dominant force that we saw earlier in the season? I think that's what it's going to come down to. Right now, I'm going to have to take Montana in this game, but if Southeast Missouri State can have success running the football like they have against pretty much everybody else this season, I think Montana could be in for a long game, and I wonder, can Montana's offense get into a shootout and outshoot a team like Southeast Missouri State. Look, I'm happy that game's on national TV. I think it was more deserving elsewhere to put the national TV spotlight. But obviously, brand matters in the FCS. Crowd size matters in the FCS for the postseason. And to get more eyes on FCS football, I think Montana's a terrific atmosphere to kind of open things up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Other half of the bracket, you have Southeastern Louisiana hosting Idaho. Now, Southeastern Louisiana, the only reason they're in the postseason is because they, they upset Incarnate Word, UIW, earlier in the Southland schedule. They wound up sharing the conference title. They finish at 8-3. and three. Coach Selfo, I'm a big fan of what he's done, but this is not the Southeastern Louisiana team that won a game in the postseason behind Cole Kelly, the terrific quarterback from a year ago. They finished at 8-3 and three this year. They lost a couple of FBS games out of the shoot, but then opening week of conference play, they knock off UIW, handed the Cardinals their lone loss of the season, and only tripped up once themselves against Texas A&M Commerce in early October. From there, they beat Jacksonville State, really impressive road win. They beat McNeese by a point on the road and then had dominant showings against Lamar Northwestern State and a rivalry game at Nichols to close the regular season. You got Idaho on the other hand, and I think Idaho you know, had a terrific year. And I think Jason Eck, I don't know why he's not an Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award candidate. I think he had one of the more remarkable turnarounds we saw in the FCS because under Paul Petrino, Idaho wasn't really going anywhere. And quickly, Jason Eck, the former offensive coordinator at South Dakota State, not only turned this program around, but put them in a title to contend for a Big Sky championship. They finished at 6-2 and two in the conference. Remember those two tough, close, hard-fought losses out of the gate against Washington State and Indiana. I, I think the, the first time we really realized that this Idaho team was for real and a playoff contender was when they went to Montana when the Grizz were ranked third in the country 
back in mid-October and beat them by a touchdown. Then they go to Sac State. They erase a deficit. They were down big, come all the way back, but Sac State beats them in the final moments. They lose that game by a field goal. They blew out Eastern Washington, a bad Eastern Washington team the following week. But then they kind of had a head-scratching loss against a UC Davis team that I think, despite being 6-5, and five, absolutely deserved to be in this field, but they weren't. Unfortunately, tough schedule caught up to them. They lose by two points at South Dakota State. They lose by three points against Sac State to close the season. They lost at Cal Week 1. I don't know. I mean, it's tough as an FCS program because you make money in these FBS games. You get good exposure. It's something that helps with recruiting. But what I saw from the committee this year is that they kind of penalize these teams for scheduling tougher non-conference games. And, and even at 6-5 and five and 6-4 and four against the FCS, I think uh, UC Davis uh, ha had all the case to be in the postseason, especially going to Idaho and beating them by 18 points on their home turf. Idaho turned around the next week, didn't have any trouble with Big Sky bottom feeder Idaho State in a 31-point win. Um, you, you compare these resumes, you look at what these teams have done. Obviously, Idaho's had the tougher schedule, but I think southeastern Louisiana, man, when, when they've been called upon, they've answered the bell. I don't think the loss in early October was good against Texas A&M Commerce, an FCS D1 newcomer, but I think Texas A&M Commerce is going to be a great FCS program in due time when they get eligible for the postseason. And it's hard to really you know, fault southeastern Louisiana for their two FBS losses out of the shoot. Again, this is a team that I don't think, based on what we saw elsewhere from the committee, would have been in the playoffs without sharing the conference title and holding that tiebreaker over UIW. But the UIW went super impressive considering nobody else was able to beat them. Nobody else was able to really come close to beating them. And then the Jacksonville State went on the road I thought was really impressive remember Jacksonville State kind of operating as an FBS in that transition not eligible for the FCS playoffs they had some nice wins early in the season did the Gamecocks and, and for Southeastern to just go on the road to Jacksonville Alabama and beat them by three possessions like they did in my mind that was just as impressive as beating UIW on their home turf uh, I had a slip up the following week a near slip up by beating a bad McNeese team by just a point on the road. But they rebounded nicely. Their defense was good down the stretch. Their offense was dominant down the stretch. Mike Selfo's got a system in place there at Strawberry Stadium in Hammond, America, as he calls it. Uh, and they're a really dominant force. Idaho, on the other hand, I worry about their defense in this game. I think Giovanni McCoy is as good as it gets at the quarterback spot as you're going to see among signal callers in this first round. But I'm kind of worried with this being a road game for Idaho, having to go halfway across the country to play it. I like southeastern Louisiana here. I think the home field advantage is going to matter a little bit, and that would set up a matchup with southeastern Louisiana going to Samford the following week in the second round of the FCS playoffs. You look at the other side of the bracket, and you move on down to a matchup out east between the Furman Paladins hosting Elon, the Phoenix coming out of the Colonial. Now, we talked about our love for the Colonial all season long. Really good conference. They wind up getting five teams into the FCS playoffs, as did the Big Sky Conference. Uh, Furman, on the other hand, weren't really a team we were talking about a whole lot until they made noise down the stretch of the season. Obviously, uh, had a nice win in late October to beat a Chattanooga team that got left out of the field. Unfortunately, they were without a limb. Ford in that game could have used it. I think if that game is an opposite result with Chattanooga winning, I think we're talking about Chattanooga being a playoff team right now. But look, I mean, Furman took care of business down the stretch. They went to Mercer, beat them by 10 on the road. They blew out Wofford in, in the the weekend's final uh, game of the regular season. Uh, their only two losses 
were to a top seed Samford by a touchdown at home to open up conference play and on the road at Clemson back in week two. So, I mean, look, going 9-1 and against the FCS, beating two bubble teams in Chattanooga and Mercer, and only losing by a touchdown to a national seed, a conference champion, certainly boded well for Furman's case to get into the postseason. I, th- I think Elon kind of locked in their spot earlier in, in the season, if assuming they didn't slip up against teams that they should beat down the stretch. When they beat William and Mary on the road and then Richmond in back-to-back weeks and the Gardner-Webb, another team that wound up winning their conference, that was three straight weeks with a win against playoff competition. Lost a close game at Vandy, who's better than a lot of us thought way back in week one. I mean, really good stuff put together by this Elon Phoenix team under Tony Trishiani in the postseason for the first time in his tenure. Now, they, they lost back-to-back road games at Rhode Island and New Hampshire. I thought Rhode Island was way deserving of a playoff spot. It's something we mentioned at the jump here. Didn't get in. But down the stretch, a dominant 20-point win at home against Delaware, a playoff team, 24-point win against Albany, and then a two-touchdown win on the road against Hampton. Put the icing on the cake for the Elon Phoenix. It's not going to be tough to go on the road here, but I like Elon to beat Furman, and, and this is nothing against Furman. I think Matt McKay is licking his chops after getting benched in the postseason at Montana State last year. You can kind of tell that this guy played with a chip on his shoulder much of this season. Hampton ran for over 1,000 yards. On the other side, uh, Furman... Not a team that runs the football as effectively as Elon. Not a team that slings it around as effectively as Elon. I think Furman's defense is going to be tough to crack in this game. They're going to be really good on their home field. But I like the Elon Phoenix on the road. I think the Colonial was the best all-around conference in the FCS this year. And I expect them to show out in the opening round of the postseason. Another game out east featuring Colonial teams. It's the Richmond Spiders hosting the Davidson Wildcats Pioneer Football League champions. With all due respect to Davidson, they've become the the new powerhouse out of the PFL. Remember for a while, it was San Diego. They had the two Big Sky upset wins in the postseason, becoming the first non-scholarship team in FCS history to win a postseason game, and they did it in back-to-back years, 2016-2017. Now, Davidson has become the powerhouse of the Pioneer Football League, but on the road against Richmond, they're going to be outnumbered. They're going to be outmatched. Um, I I think this is a lopsided game. I think Richmond wins by at least a couple of possessions. Now, they lost to William & Mary in a game that decided to share the conference title in the Colonial the final week of the season, and they lost that game at home. But the week before, they had a nice road rally win against Delaware, and the week before that, they beat another team that shared the Colonial title in New Hampshire. I I think they're playing great football Uh, Their other two losses at Virginia to open up the season and a field goal loss in double overtime against Elon. It's hard for me to see Richmond losing this game. They're going to be heavy favorites. Winner has to head out west and take on the two-seed Sacramento State. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Other side, uh, it's an old Big Sky matchup, North Dakota, an at-large from the Missouri Valley heads to Weber State. And I know a lot of people felt like Weber State deserved a top eight national seed and shouldn't be playing this weekend. But with the Wildcats' losses to Sacramento State at home, also lost another game against Montana State on the road, a couple of one-possession losses for Weber State. They got the short end of the stick. They don't get a top eight seed. It would have been a third Big Sky team in the top eight seeds, but instead Weber has the daunting task of playing a really good team coming from the Missouri Valley Conference in North Dakota. Now, North Dakota, I didn't really like how they closed the season. I mean, you look at the Fighting Hawks and what they were able to put together. Uh, to, to me, they were a team that was destined to make the postseason from the jump. I mean, they went tit-for-tat with Nebraska Week 1. They beat Northern Iowa Week 2. They figure out a way to win a Big Sky game at Northern Arizona Week 3. They had that slip-up against Southern Illinois when the Salukis got red hot towards the end of September, early October. But then they played really well the rest of conference play, a three-possession win over Missouri State. They go to Youngstown State, a team that was on the bubble much of the year. They win that game. Uh, South Dakota State, they compete. They led much of the first half. Jackrabbits were too much in the second half. Then they beat a really good A-Sun WAC team in Abilene Christian. Took care of business. Multiple possession wins against Indiana State and South Dakota. Uh, just couldn't hang tough against North Dakota State. That defense got wobbly. Look, I like Jay Hill. Uh, Jay Hill's defenses at Weber State have always been really good. I think this is one of his better offensive units. And I, I think I was a firm believer there with many around the FCS that thought Weber State should have been a top eight national seed and, and had no business playing this weekend. That being said, I think North Dakota is going to prevent, uh, or rather present a good test for Weber State here out of the gate. I think Weber handles business. I expect them to win the game by multiple scores, but I'll be interested to see how, how great that defense of Weber State is going to be able to hold up against uh, the rushing attack and great offensive attack that Tommy Schuster and North Dakota at time to time this year, have been able to string together. Winner of that game would head to Bozeman, and I I'm really looking forward to a potential rematch between Weber State and Montana State because if Weber overcomes special teams' woes in that game, Weber State wins that football game, and maybe we're talking about a different story about Montana State not being a top-eight national seed and Weber State being the fourth overall seed in the FCS playoffs right now. Please give me that rematch. That was a terrific regular season matchup. I would expect the same in the postseason if those two teams meet the following weekend, first weekend of December. Above them in the bracket, five-seed William & Mary is waiting. It's Eastern Kentucky hosting Gardner-Webb. Now, Gardner-Webb played a gauntlet of a schedule that included three FBS opponents this year, and one of them, Liberty, who one of the better non-Power 5 teams of the FBS level this year. They almost beat them, lost by just one on the road, went on to run the table in the Big South, and the Gardner-Webb Bulldogs at 5-0 and in the conference were Big South champions. They head on the road to Eastern Kentucky, and what a feel-good story, Eastern Kentucky the Colonels have been this season. Uh, their head coach, Walt Wells, had suffered a heart attack uh, right before the start of the season, got back on the sideline in time, 
for the FBS Wild 7 overtime marathon upset of Bowling Green. And from there, Eastern Kentucky put together a good enough resume to get an at-large at 7-4 and four in the postseason with 3-2 and two against WAC ASUN competition. The only legit FCS loss they had was at Austin P. And I really think Austin P was a team deserving of a postseason berth. They had a really nice road win at Southeast Missouri State that I think kind of pushed them over the edge to be one of the final teams into the FCS playoff field. And then a Kennesaw State team that came on late in the season. They beat them by a touchdown in the final week to kind of solidify their spot in the postseason. Now, hosting this Gardner-Webb team, I think it's going to be a tough task for Eastern Washington, uh, rather Eastern Kentucky. So used to saying Eastern Washington this time of year. Bizarre to not have them in the postseason field. But this is a Gardner-Webb team that started the season one and four, went to Robert Morris, beat him by 48, then lost by one point to Liberty. They closed with four straight wins, Charleston Southern, Bryant, Campbell, and North Carolina A&T, a good North Carolina A&T team that would have been in the postseason if they would have won that game. But Gardner-Webb beat them by three touchdowns at home for the at-large or for the automatic bid coming out of the Big South. No at-larges out of the Big South this season. I'm going to take Eastern Kentucky here. I'm a big fan of that offense. I'm a big fan of what Walt Wells has been put together this season. But I think this is going to be one of our better games uh, from the opening round of the FCS playoffs. Again, the winner will head east and take on William and Mary the following week. New Hampshire uh, shared the colonial title with William and Mary, but they are playing on this opening weekend. They didn't have a good showing against non-conference competition. That's why Rick Santos' team is playing in this first round, hosting... Fordham, the Rams of Fordham, Tim DeMorat, one of the more electric offenses in the FCS. They are on the road at New Hampshire with the eight-seed Holy Cross waiting. And I thought one of the best games of the year in FCS football was a matchup in the Patriot League that went to overtime between Fordham and Holy Cross. Fordham struck first in overtime. Holy Cross responded with a touchdown, went for two, and won the game. The only reason Holy Cross is hosting right now is that paired with a Hail Mary FBS win on the road at Buffalo earlier in the year. If New Hampshire has showed us anything, they've been extremely tough to beat at home. I worry about Fordham's defense. I don't worry about Tim DeMorat. I thought they belonged to be in the postseason. I don't think many others felt that way, but I think with this electric of an offense and quarterback, you had to have Fordham in the playoffs. I think this is going to be a terrific game, but I'm going to take New Hampshire, the home game for New Hampshire. I I think that home field advantage, uh, the fact that they were tied with William and Mary atop the Colonial standings. Didn't face as tough of a gauntlet in conference play as some of the other CAA teams, but but I think New Hampshire under a first-year regime there, they're going to be fired up for that home game. Again, I think home field really matters in the FCS playoffs. I'm going to take New Hampshire over Fordham, but boy, if Fordham and Tim Demorak can find a way to get that done, what a dandy of a second-round matchup it's going to be as they rematch with Holy Cross in a Patriot League showdown. Final game to preview, it's the Delaware Blue Hens welcoming in St. Francis, winners of the Northeast Conference. Uh, Much like the Richmond game against Davidson, and this is nothing against St. Francis, they dominated in conference play this year. And I will say this, Delaware kind of limped to the finish this season, but I think Delaware's defense too tough. Again, home field matters, and I think Delaware, the Blue Hens advance. They would be headed into a second-round matchup with the top seed in the FCS, South Dakota State, and Brookings is going to be really tough to knock off this season that's always got for you this time on the fcs fever podcast again we'll be back at you next week previewing the second round you've been listening to the aaron torres media feed anatomy of an ad 
subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.